0: Discussing the practice is more useful than discussing anything else because it gives rise to insight. If we follow the practice step by step, we can read ourselves continually deciphering things within us. As you read yourself through probing and investigating the harm and suffering caused by defilement, craving, and attachment, there will be times when you come to true knowledge enabling you to grow dispassionate and let go. The mind will then immediately grow still with none of the mental fabrications that used to have the run of the place through your lack of self-investigation. The principles of self-investigation are our most important tools. We have to make a concerted effort to master them at all times with special emphasis on using mindfulness to focus on the mind and bring it to centered concentration. If we don't focus on keeping the mind centered or neutral as its basic stance, it'll wander off in various ways in search of preoccupations or sensory contacts, giving rise to turmoil and restlessness. But when we practice restraint over the sensory doors, By maintaining continuous mindfulness in the heart, it's like driving in the pilings for a dam. If you've ever seen the pilings for a dam, you'll know that they're driven deep, deep into the ground so that they're absolutely firm and immovable. But if you drive them into mud, they're easily swayed by the slightest contact. This should give us an idea of how firm our mindfulness should be in supervising the mind to make it stable, able to withstand sensory contact without liking or disliking its objects. The firmness of your mindfulness is something that you have to maintain continuously in your every activity with every in and out breath the mind will stop being scattered in search for preoccupations. If you don't manage this, then the mind will get stirred up whenever there is sensory contact, like a rudderless ship going wherever the wind and waves will take it. So this is why you need mindfulness to guard the mind at every moment. If you can make mindfulness constant in every activity, the mind will be continuously neutral ready to probe and investigate for insight. As a first step in driving in the pilings for a dam, in other words, in making mindfulness firm, we have to focus on neutrality as our basic stance. There's nothing you have to think about. Simply make the mind solid in its neutrality. If you can do this continuously, that's when you'll have a true standard for your investigation because the mind will have gathered into concentration. But this concentration is something you have to watch over carefully to make sure it's not just oblivious indifference. Make the mind firmly established and centered so that it doesn't get absent-minded or distracted as you sit in meditation. Sit straight. Maintain steady mindfulness, and there's nothing else you have to do. Keep the mind firm and neutral, not thinking of anything at all, and make sure this stability stays continuous. When anything pops up, no matter how, keep the mind neutral. For instance, if there's a feeling of pleasure or pain, don't focus on the feeling. Simply focus on the stability of the mind and there will be a sense of neutrality in that stability. If you're careful not to let the mind get absent-minded or distracted, its concentration will become more continuous. For example, if you're going to sit for an hour of meditation, focus on centering the mind like this for the first half hour, and then make sure it doesn't wander off anywhere until the hour is up. If you change positions, It's simply an outer change in the body, while the mind is still firmly centered and neutral each moment you're standing, sitting, lying down, or whatever. Mindfulness is the key factor in all of this, keeping the mind from concocting thoughts or labeling things. Everything has to stop. Keep this foundation snug and stable with every in-and-out breath. Then you can relax your focus on the breath while keeping the mind in the same state of neutrality. Relax your heavy focus so that it feels just right with the breath. The mind will be able to stay in this state for the entire hour, free from any thoughts that might wander off the path. Then keep an eye out to see that no matter what you do or say, The mind stays solidly in its normal state of inward knowing. If the mind is stable within itself, you're protected on all sides. When sensory contacts come, you stay focused on being aware of your mental stability. Even if there are any momentary slips in your mindfulness, you get right back to the stability of the mind. Other than that, there's nothing you have to do. The mind will let go without your having to do anything else. The way you used to like this, hate that, turn left here, turn right there won't be able to happen. The mind will stay neutral, equanimous, just right. If mindfulness lapses, you get right back to your focus, recognizing when the mind is centered and neutral towards its objects and then keeping it that way. The pilings for the dam of mindfulness have to be driven in so that they're solid and secure with your every activity. Keep working at this no matter what you're doing. If you can train the mind so that stability is its basic stance, it won't get into mischief. It won't cause you any trouble. It won't concoct thoughts. It will be quiet. And once it's quiet and centered, it'll grow more refined and probe in to penetrate within itself, to know its own state of concentration from within. As for sensory contacts, those are things outside, appearing only to disappear so it's not interested. This can make cravings disband. Even when we change positions as pains arise in the body, the mind in that moment is stable, focused not on the pains, but on its own stability. When you change positions, there will be physical and mental reactions as the circulation improves and pleasant feelings arise in place of the pains, but the mind won't get snagged on either the pleasure or the pain. It'll simply stay stable, centered, and firm in its neutrality. This stability can easily help you abandon the cravings that lie latent in connection with all feelings. But if you don't keep the mind centered in advance like this, craving will create issues, provoking the mind into a turmoil, wanting to change things so as to get this or that kind of happiness. If we practice in this way repeatedly, hammering at this point over and over again, It's like driving pilings into the ground. The deeper we can drive them, the more immovable they'll be. That's when you'll be able to withstand sensory contacts. Otherwise, the mind will start boiling over with its thought concoctions in pursuit of sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and tactile sensations. Sometimes it keeps concocting the same old senseless issues over and over again. This is because the pilings of mindfulness are not yet firmly in place. The way we've been stumbling through life is due to the fact that we haven't really practiced to the point where mindfulness is continuous enough to make the mind firmly centered and neutral. So we have to make our dam of mindfulness solid. And secure this centeredness of mind is something we should develop with every activity and with every in-and-out breath this way we'll be able to see through our illusions all the way into the truths of inconstancy and not self otherwise the mind will go straying off here and there like a mischievous monkey Yet even monkeys can be taught and trained to perform tricks. In the same way, the mind is something that can be trained. But if you don't tie it to the post of mindfulness and give it a taste of the stick, it'll be very hard to tame. When training the mind, you shouldn't force it too much, nor can you simply let it go its habitual ways you have to test yourself to see what gets results. If you don't get your mindfulness focused, it'll quickly go running after preoccupations or easily waver under the impact of its objects. When people let their minds simply drift along with the flow of things, it's because they haven't established mindfulness as a solid stance. When this is the case, they can't stop. They can't grow still. They can't be free. And this is why we have to start out by driving in the pilings for our dam, so that they're good and solid, keeping the mind stable and centered, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. This stability will then be able to withstand everything. Your mindfulness will stay with its foundation just like a monkey tied to a post. It can't run off or get into mischief. It can only circle the post to which its leash is tied. Keep training the mind until it's tame enough to settle down and investigate things. For if it's still scattered about, it's of no use at all. You have to train it until it's familiar with what inner stability is like. For your own instability and lack of commitment in training it is what allows it to get all entangled with thought fabrications, with things that arise and then pass away. You have to get it to stop. Why is it so mischievous? Why is it so scattered? Why does it keep wandering off? Get it under control. Get it to stop, to settle down and grow centered. At this stage, you all have practiced enough to gain at least a taste of centered concentration. The next step is to use mindfulness to maintain it in your every activity, so that even if there are any distractions, they last only for a moment and don't turn into long issues. Keep driving in the pilings until they're solid every time there's an impact from external objects or so that the mental concoctions that go straying out from within are all brought to stillness in every way. This training isn't really all that hard. The important point is that whichever of the many meditation subjects you choose, you stay mindful and aware of the mind state that's centered and neutral. If, when the mind goes straying out after objects, you keep bringing it back to its centeredness over and over again, the mind will eventually be able to stay firmly in its stance. In other words, its mindfulness will become constant, ready to probe and investigate. Because when the mind really settles down, it gains the power to read the facts within itself clearly. If it's not centered, It can jumble everything up to fool you, switching from this issue to that, from this role to that, but if it's centered, it can disband everything, all defilements, cravings, and attachments on every side. So what this practice comes down to is how much effort and persistence you put into getting the mind firmly centered. Once it's firm, then when there arise all the sufferings and defilements that would otherwise get it soiled and worked up, it can withstand them just as the pilings of a dam can withstand windstorms without budging. You have to be clearly aware of the state of mind so that you won't go out liking this or hating that. This state will then become your point of departure for probing and investigating, so as to gain the insight that sees clearly all the way through. But you have to make sure that this centeredness is continuous. Then you won't have to think about anything. Simply look right in, deeply and subtly. The important point is that you get rid of absent-mindedness and distractions. This in itself gets rid of a lot of delusion and ignorance and leaves no opening for craving to create any issues that will stir up the mind and set it wandering. This is because we've established our stance in advance. Even if we lose our normal balance a little bit, we get right back to focusing on the stability of our concentration. If we keep at this over and over again, the stability of the mind with its continuous mindfulness will enable us to probe into the truths of inconstancy, stress, and not-self. In the beginning, though, we don't have to do any probing. It's better simply to focus on the stability of your stance. For if you start probing, when the mind isn't really centered and stable, you'll end up scattered. So focus on making centeredness the basic level of the mind, and then start probing in, deeper and deeper. This will lead to insights that grow more and more telling and profound, bringing the mind to a state of freedom within itself, or to a state where it is no longer hassled by defilement. This in itself will bring about true mastery over the sense doors. At first, when we started out, We weren't able to exercise any real restraint over the eyes and ears. But once the mind becomes firmly centered, then the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and body all automatically are brought under control. If there's no mindfulness and concentration, you can't keep your eyes under control because the mind will use them to look and to see It will want to use the ears to listen to all kinds of things. So instead of exercising restraint outside at the senses, we exercise it inside, right at the mind, making the mind firmly centered and neutral at all times. Regardless of whether you're talking or whatever, the mind's focus stays in place. Once you can do this, you'll regard the objects of the senses as meaningless. You won't have to take issues with things, thinking, this is good, I like it. This is bad, I don't like it. This is pretty, that's ugly. The same holds true with the sounds you hear. You won't take issue with them. You focus instead on the neutrality, uninvolved centeredness of the mind. This is the basic foundation for neutrality. When you can do this, everything becomes neutral. When the eye sees a form, it's neutral. When the ear hears a sound, it's neutral. The mind is neutral, the sound is neutral. Everything is neutral because we've closed five of the six sense doors and then settled ourselves in neutrality right at the mind. And this takes care of everything. Whatever the eye may see, the ear may hear, the nose may smell, the tongue may taste or the body may touch, the mind doesn't take issue with anything at all. It stays centered, neutral, and impartial. Take just this much and give it a try. For the next seven days, I want you to make a special point of focusing mindfulness right at the mind. For this is the end of the rainy season, the period when the lotus and water lily bloom after the end of the rains retreat. In the Buddhist time, he would have the senior monks train the new monks throughout the rains retreat and then meet with him when the lotuses bloom. I've mentioned this before, and I want to mention it again as a way of encouraging you to develop a stable foundation for the mind. If its stability is continuous, then it too will have to bloom. To bloom because it's not burned, disturbed, or provoked by the defilements. So make a special effort during the next seven days to see how you can manage to observe and investigate the centered, neutral state of mind continuously at all times. Of course, if you fall asleep, you fall asleep. But even then, when you lie down to sleep, try to observe how you can keep the mind centered and neutral at all times until you doze off. When you wake up, the movements of the mind will still remain in that centered, neutral state. Give it a try, so that your mind will be able to grow calm and peaceful disbanding its defilements, cravings, sufferings, everything. Then notice to see whether or not it's beginning to bloom. The sense of refreshment bathing the mind that comes as part of the peace of mind undisturbed by defilement will arise of its own accord without your having to do anything aside from keeping the mind stable and centered. This is your guarantee. If the mind is really stable in its concentration, the defilements won't be able to burn it or mess with it. In other words, desire won't be able to provoke it. When concentration is stable, the fires of passion, aversion, and delusion won't be able to burn it. Try to see within yourself how the stability of the mind can withstand these things, disbanding the stress, putting out the flames. But you'll have to be earnest in practicing, in making an effort to keep mindfulness truly continuous. This isn't something to play at. You can't let yourself be weak. For if you're weak, you won't be able to withstand anything. You'll simply follow the provocations of defilement and craving. This practice is a matter of stopping so that the mind can settle down and stand fast. It's not a matter of getting into mischief, wandering around to look and listen and get involved in issues. Try to keep the mind stable in all of your activities, eating, defecating, whatever. Keep the mind centered within. If you know the state of the mind when it's centered, immovable, no longer wavering, no longer weak, then the basic level of the mind will be free and empty, empty of the things that would burn it, empty because there's no attachment. This is what enables you to ferret out the stability of the mind at every moment. It protects you from all sorts of things. All attachment to self, me and them is totally wiped out and cut away. The mind is entirely centered, If you can keep this state stable for the entire seven days, it will enable you to reach insight on your own. So I ask each of you to see whether or not you'll be able to make it all the way. Check to see how you're doing each day. And make sure you check things carefully. Don't let yourself be lax, sometimes stable, sometimes not. Get so that the mind is absolutely solid. Don't let yourself be weak. You have to be genuine in what you do if you want to reach the genuine extinguishing of suffering and stress. Genuine. You'll end up letting yourself weaken in the face of the provocation of wanting this or wanting that, doing this or doing that, whatever, in the same way that you've been enslaved to desire agitated by desire for who knows how long. Your everyday life is where you can test yourself. So get back to the battlefield. Take a firm stance in neutrality. Then the objects that come into contact with the mind will be neutral. The mind itself will feel centered in neutrality. There will be nothing to take issue with in terms of good or bad or whatever everything will come to a halt in neutrality because things in and of themselves are not good or bad or self or whatever, simply that the mind has gone and made issues out of them. So keep looking inward until you see the mind's neutrality and freedom from self continuously. Then you'll see how the lotus comes to bloom. If it hasn't bloomed yet, That's because it's withering and dry in the heat of the defilements, cravings, and attachments, smoldering in the mind. Things we'll have to learn to ferret out until we can disband them. If we don't, the lotus will wither away, its petals falling to the ground and simply rotting there. So make an effort to keep the lotus of the mind stable until it blooms. Don't wonder about what will happen as it blooms, just keep it stable and make sure it isn't burned by the defilements.